Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Energy Extra Time. I'm Sean McGill and today we're here to discuss the return of something that's left a massive hole in our lives. We've not known what to do with ourselves without it, but we don't need to worry anymore because it makes its return to national television this week. So Cameron Wonstock and Jack Donnelly, how excited are we for Love Island tonight? But mate, mate, it's been too long. Been too long. Since back on ITV2 tonight. I've been reliably informed by other, but not me, obviously. But like my mates <laughs> have said, like it's back on. Uh, I, Cameron, are you a lovely man yourself? I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer. What do you mean? Um, uh, there's, there's no way you'll see me watching that. Smashing mate. television. Don't mate. start, don't start texting me at nine o'clock when it comes on or whatever, uh, asking what's going on. Because you'll be, because you'll be too busy watching it. That's the thing. <laughs> I'll be so phones off, no spoilers. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's, <laughs> Uh, since we're actually going to be talking about the return of the Premier League, what do, do we have any Premier League players we'd like to see on Love Island? See, I've, I've, I'll, I'll go first since I've had a wee bit of time to think. Not trying to be funny or anything, but the person who would genuinely be the best on it is Olivier Giroud, because the man is gorgeous. So <laughs> that, that's a good shout, actually. Yeah. He would do, and I think also just in terms of good TV, um, Jesse Lingard would be like the villain of it because he just is a bit of a. Um, an idiot, I would say. So <laughs> he's trying to. I'm just not the biggest Jesse Lingard fan, but it'd be fun to you, see right? him sort of like Millie you. rocking to try and impress the girls, mm. like seeing stuff like that. So I'd watch that. Anybody I else? I think would... um, you know who would. I, I don't think he's a good-looking man, but he'd fit in really well. It's Kyle Walker. Yeah, he's, he's been up to during the lockdown. You know, he'd oh, fit right I, in. Right to his own yeah. personal yeah. Love Island. Um, <laughs> swiftly moving on before we get sued by Kyle Walker's <laughs> legal representation. <laughs> Since that idea didn't go down too well, uh, we'll go on with the next best thing and preview the restart of the Premier League. Uh, we know that there's a lot else going on just now. Uh, Cameron's uh, delighted that we're going to miss out on talking the fact that reconstruction has collapsed. Hearts are officially in the Championship. Welcome. Um, I mean, imagine supporting a championship club. I just can't relate myself personally. That's um, where the best football's played, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. Absolutely. That's, where the, that's where the action is. I'm not sure about that. But then there's managerial stuff as well. Uh, John Robertson signed a two-year con- uh, contract extension at Inverness Cali Thistle. Uh, Alex Dyer has been confirmed as the Kilmarnock manager earlier today. So it's, Premiership stuff's having a, having a great time, the Premiership. I don't know how you two are doing, but... Uh, Can you classify Dyer signing a two-year extension as a great time, though? I'm, really, um, I'm not too sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, but... Um, aye, I mean, it's still the Premiership, so aye, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, we're calling this our quick-fire Premier League preview, and the rules are simple. We have a strict three-minute time limit on each of the 20 Premier League clubs. We'll go through them in alphabetical order to discuss how their seasons have gone so far and what we can expect from them in the restart. Whenever we hear the alarm, we have to stop making our point and immediately move on to the next team. I'm pretty sure this is going to go horrendously at, at <laughs> least one point, but um, we'll try our very best. Are, are we ready, boys? Yeah, I'm good to go. Let's I'll go. get my wee, my wee timer going, and that's it. Underway. Good luck keeping this first side under three minutes because it's been another tumultuous season for Arsenal, who currently sit in ninth. New signings, new captains, but it's perhaps the new manager that can be the biggest sign of hope for the Gunners. Cameron, have we seen enough from Mikel Arteta's brief tenure at the Emirates to, to suggest Arsenal are heading in the right direction at least? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think they've been a bit unlucky uh, some games. They've got quite a lot of draws, if I remember rightly. It does yep. feel like a, like a decade ago, but um, they've done... They, they play good football under them, and I think they're sitting ninth, 40 points. They could still easily push for Europe. Uh, got some tough games coming up, Wolves, Leicester, Tottenham, Liverpool, but they'll uh, they'll definitely be in, for them. Uh, in with a shout, sorry. Yeah, like Cameron said there, Jack, it's, they're only three points off Wolves and Sheffield United and uh, five off Man United, and we know that the situation with Man City means there very much could be more European places. Uh, do you think Arsenal can make a serious push for Europe? I think looking at their run, it's fairly mixed because while they've got like City, Leicester, and Tottenham, they've still to play Brighton, Southampton, and Norwich, who are obviously dead last just now. So I think if they pick up the points in the games they need to and maybe manage to get a couple of draws at the more difficult games, I could see them pushing for Europe quite easily. Yeah. And we know that it's been a fantastic season for Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. That's seventeen goals again this season. Cameron, do you think there's maybe a chance that um, Arsenal are a bit over-reliant on uh, Aubameyang and do you think they need to uh, watch for that? Yeah, possibly. Definitely, they do rely on him 100%. Uh, I don't think we see the best of players like Lacazette, Nicolas Pepe, who 
don't seem like great transfers right now. Um, they'll have Kieran Tierney coming back. I think he'll offer a bit more creativity and attack down the left flank. Hopefully Bellerin will be fit. I'm not sure what the news is on him. Um, hopefully they can help out in the attacking front, but they certainly need to bolster that attacking threat. They can't just rely on Aubameyang, who might not stay, obviously. His contract's up in the air, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, Jack, um, Cameron mentioned him there, uh, Kieran Tierney. He's back to full fitness, but the form of Bukayo Saka very much might keep uh, Tierney out the team. Uh, who do you think can win that sort of battle for the left-back spot at Arsenal? Well, I think they obviously signed Tierney for a reason, and it wasn't just to get a full medical. So I think they are going to have they're going to be playing him at some point or another. And I think if he wants to cement that starting place, because the thing about Saka is he can play in a multitude of positions as well. He's not restricted to just left back. So I think he could fit in elsewhere in the team. Whereas Tierney is probably more well suited to left back more than anything else. I mean, I think we saw him play right back for Scotland a couple of times. Didn't never really pulled off anything great. So. I think he really just needs to battle to make it his own in the first couple of games back and then let Saka play elsewhere. Cameron, do we reckon that uh, Arsenal will be playing European football next year? Possibly. It's tough. We'll come on to the other teams, obviously, but they, they do have a really good chance. Oh, well, don't oh, care. Just in time. Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, we'll move on now other than the high of reaching a League Cup final at Wembley it's been a pretty dismal return to Premier League life for Dean Smith's Aston Villa who are currently 19th albeit with a game in hand Uh, Jack, their captain Jack Grealish has the most goals, the most assists the most passes and the most shots for Villa are they the biggest one man team in the league? I mean we just did speak about over reliance on one player with Aubameyang there and I think no team personifies that more than uh, Villa with Grealish because he's just he's a one-man team essentially and if you take him out of the equation if he gets injured against Sheffield United or Chelsea in the first uh, few days back Villa look destined for the drop realistically and it's looking although they've got a couple of semi-decent games but they still have to play Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, Everton and Arsenal and Wolves sorry so I, th- I think this is just going to be a kind of open and shut case with Villa in all honesty unless Grealish does something magical yeah and if uh, Cameron if there is a if Villa are to be in the championship next year you really can't see Jack Grealish sticking around can you no not really there's a few other ones as well I'll say John McGinn I think he's coming back I don't see him stick around in the championship for another season you know he's missed out on like half a season in the Premier League he'll want to come straight back up or maybe ply his trade elsewhere abroad or something um, we've got to remember yeah, that John, John McGinn's also a Hibs player and an Aston Villa player so he's got that sort of versatility where like um, he's still very much a part of the Hibs setup according to their social media so you've got he's, he's got options you know he's got options yeah <laughs> I suppose I think I don't see him going to Celtic anyway after what happened last season, so Hibs is probably more likely. Um, no, there's a lot of teams interested in them. I think, yeah, Villa, they've, they've got slim chances, don't they? They've only got one or two winnable games, so they'll need to pull, a, pull something magical to stay up here. Yeah, Jack, as annoying as um, the Hibs fans' obsession with John McGinn might be, he was outstanding in that uh, first half of the season, wasn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he looked fantastic. I think he scored, he scored their first goal of the... Premier League campaign in that 2-1 loss to Tottenham at the start of the season so he's really he had cemented his place in that midfield and was already attracting interest I know Struan was going on about uh, Man United being interested in him but I don't think there's a player in world football that United aren't interested in <laughs> yeah. but he definitely looked like one of the standout players in that early part of the season and would have been receiving a lot more plaudits had he stayed fit and not suffered that injury yeah, and just last week he was awarded uh, Scottish Football Writers Association Player of the Season for in terms of uh, those in a Scotland jersey. But so overall, Jack, you seem to be uh, condemning Villa to relegation. Uh, Cameron, would you take a punt on them? No, I think they're down. They're still missing heating and goals as well. I, I don't trust Reina in goals, so I, defensively they're a mess. I, I think they're going down. That's absolutely outstanding how you've wrapped that up because. Wow. Hey, hey. Beautiful, look at this. I'm not getting to shut you up. This is about. This is the only reason I agreed to do this. <laughs> this wasn't your plan. Uh, I know. Let's try the next one. Uh, moving on to a team that's just one point above Villa. It's been an uncharacteristically disappointing season for Bournemouth as they face the real prospect of relegation for the first time since their promotion to the Premier League in 2015. Cameron, what's gone wrong for the Cherries this campaign? Um, I think they've just 
struggled tactically. Obviously, they've lost one or two big players like David Brooks. Ryan Fraser's really not been at his best, but it feels like they tried to go a little bit more defensive to be the right gung-ho, really dramatic, exciting team to watch. A lot of goals. It's still happening, but I feel maybe they're drifting from their tactical style a little bit. And um, I think Eddie House caught in two minds which way to go and you can see it in their play this season that's why they're sitting in the relegation zone right now which I actually didn't know until I seen the league table while I was doing the notes for this so a real shock to see them down there yeah, You mentioned Ryan Fraser there I don't know if anyone else knows more about this story but uh, there seems to be that he's uh, he's reluctant to sign one of those contract extensions that we've seen mm. um, lots of players sign, uh, perhaps he's been going to a bigger club and they've told him not to but surely that'd be off-putting for a big club to see a player have an attitude like that, no? Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Um, do you think they've done the right thing in sticking with Eddie Howe, Jack? Because obviously he's brought them a lot of success over his uh, time down south. But uh, you see a lot of teams sort of change up their managers when they're in a predicament like theirs. I think it would be the complete wrong move to sack him. I think he would have to leave off his own back, like choose to resign his position because. He's done so much for the club who were sitting in League 2 at one point before he came along and put them through the motions and got them into the Premier League where they've been for five years. But if you look at their run, they've got Man United, Tottenham, Leicester and Manchester City and Everton in the final day. So it seems odd considering at one point they were sitting third. But I think I might need to condemn Bournemouth as well. But for me, it's a process of stagnation, a bit like what happened with Pochettino at Spurs earlier in the season. The squad's not really seen a lot of change, the manager's not changing however many years now and I think Bournemouth just need to freshen things up a bit if it's next season or before the restart. Cameron, you mentioned David Brooks there, does uh, the return of him and the sort of creative flair that he brings have a chance to save Bournemouth this season? Yeah, I'm glad you asked us, that's practically what I was thinking. I'm not saying he's any sort of world-class talent or anything, but he clearly has a really good ability. He, he fits Burnmouth really well. I think his return, I th- I'm not going to condemn I think they will stay safe, but if it comes down to the final day or two, I wouldn't be surprised. And it's been a weird one in terms of signings for uh, Bournemouth. Philip Billing's not really done much, and they're still reliant on players like uh, Callum Wilson. Harry Wilson's had a decent campaign, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He's he started off a bit shaky, but um, calm your Harry Wilson partner. No more Harry Wilson Sticking with the theme of relegation strugglers, the next side is Brighton, who are in fifteenth, just two points above the drop zone. The Seagulls made the bold move of parting company with Chris Hutton in the summer to go for the far younger and less experienced Graham Potter. Jack, from what we've seen of Brighton so far, did the power the powers that be at the Amex make the right move? We, well, I thought they did earlier in the season when they started getting a few decent results back-to-back and they seemed to have a bit more identity as a team. They were becoming a bit more memorable. But since kind of October, November, everything's just kind of slipped and they've fallen into what I call the West Brom category where you would find teams like Stoke in the sense that they, they're in the league but no one really cares about them that much. And it's perhaps a bit of an insensitive thing to say if you've got any Brighton fans listening, but it is what it is. Um, I don't think there is Brighton well, fans. I think you're all right. No, I think I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine. Um, no, I, th- I think they did make the right move in terms of making Brighton a bit more memorable. But tactically, I'm not too sure it was worth parting company with Hutton, who, in his experience, probably will have been able to figure out a way out of their current situation to secure safety. Cameron, should we not be praising Brighton? They've, they've, they've valued the style over sort of guaranteed results and they could have stuck with Chris Shooting, he's a very safe pair of hands, but they've, they wanted to play attractive p- football, they wanted to get an exciting young manager in. Should we not be praising the Seagulls for that? Yeah, I suppose. I've, I definitely, I was one of the ones that straight away thought it was harsh that Chris Shooting had been sacked. He's done such a good job to keep them up. Like Jack said, they're the sort of team that you sort of think they probably shouldn't be here, but they are. Um, and they've went with Graham Potter, a really exciting manager. It did pay off at the start of the season, dwindled a little bit. But they have still got some really interesting players like Neil Mappy and Aaron Connolly up top. Really exciting to see them play. So I, I kind of hope they do stay up and get a chance to really show themselves on the biggest stage for more than just one or two seasons. And um, hopefully we'll see them next season. But if they don't move on and keep improving, then I think they'll be down next season, if not this season. 
Jack, just before we started recording, we were talking about um, different teams' run-ins, and that's mm-hmm. an absolutely horrendous run that Brighton yeah. have. Five of the next six, Arsenal, Leicester, Man U, Liverpool, and Man City. It's, it's really not great, is it? No, out of all the run-ins that we've been talking about, that is one of the worst. And I think there's going to have to be a lot of just kind of tactical awareness to be able to get anything out of any of those games. I suppose, out of a lot of them, Arsenal are always unpredictable, and Brighton have had success there in the past couple of seasons, so that could potentially be a bit of a confidence booster going into the run, and they've got Norwich midway through it, so it's a bit of a reprieve from the harsh fixtures that they're going through, so I think I'm more confident with Brighton uh, over the other teams that we've spoken about to stay up, I mean they're sitting in 15th, so they're already in a better position, but time will tell I suppose. That was on the button. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful, that. There we go. Absolutely beautiful. So next we're going to talk about um, Burnley for three minutes, which is the longest that anyone's ever spoken about Burnley <laughs> on a podcast. Um, so that'll be fun. Despite a slow start to the season, it's been another solid campaign for the Clarets, who sit in 10th, only six points off, Man United in 5th. Cameron Monstel, is Sean Dyche the most underrated manager in the Premier League? Yes. 100%. Just move on from Burnley. On to Chelsea. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think they are they were doing really well actually and I was shocked again looking this up. Like Liverpool's their only really tough fixture. They have a really good run. They are there are I think seven games unbeaten heading into the shutdown. Um Sean Dyche's sort of manager, he'll keep that form up regardless of a three month break. Um they've got a good squad. I, I, it sounds ridiculous, but I would love to see them push for well, I'm just not sorry to have City as well on the first day back, but I could really see them pushing for Europe. I'd love to see it. Uh, and they failed the last time they got in Europe, so hopefully this time they'll take it more seriously. And uh, I, I'd absolutely love to see Sean Dyche's team in Europe. Uh, yeah, their last European campaign was really disappointing. I mean, they only just sort of scraped past Aberdeen, who were mm-hmm. really sort of in a, a pre-season slump, kind of. So that was disappointing. But, uh, Jack, they're very much a collective Burnley. We've always known that, but... Are there any sort of individuals who deserve the most credit for their success? Oof. It is hard to call. I think Dwight McNeil's had a standout campaign and kind of establishing himself after breaking into the team towards the end of last season. Uh, Chris Wood has put in some good performances. I think he scored the opener against Manchester United. Kind of lost Harry Maguire quite well and buried it with the head. But I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with it there, Sean. They are just a solid unit rather than having any standout individual players so I think that kind of team unity is probably going to fare them well going into these last nine fixtures before the league ends at the end of July Uh, Cameron, Nick Pope's had a fantastic season in the sticks for Burnley do you think if the Euros should be happening right now, do you think if they had been uh, he'd be on the plane Uh, well I don't even England didn't have much travelling, did they? It was in London, so that was a bit of a rubbish uh, metaphor from me there. Uh, but <laughs> he would have got a jet down from Burnley. He, he might have. He might Something. have his own private jet. Yeah. But do you think uh, Nick Pope would have been featuring for Gareth Southgate's side? And do you think there's any chance he could have been uh, starting for them? Maybe, yeah. I, I don't see how Jordan Pickford could possibly be the number one still. Um, they've, got a, they've got a few good goalkeepers, but he definitely would have been on the plane. Let's put it that way. He definitely would have been there in the tournament. Um not sure about starting, but he's had a really, really solid season and would have deserved a place. And to us next year, as long as he stays fit, you know, he's, had, he's had injury layoffs in the past, but if he stays fit, he'll he'll make the squad next year. Jack, who would you have had in goals for England in the summer? I think Dean Henderson was probably a shoe-in. Um, Pickford's looked very much error-prone, and I think it would have been a toss-up for me between Henderson and Pope, but... Uh, well, we go. sorry to cut you off about England goalkeepers, but that's the way it goes. Got it, mate. <laughs> Much to Jack's delight, we spoke extensively about Chelsea on last week's show, so I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction for the Blues this week. Jack, let's talk about Billy Gilmore. I imagine he's uh, very much living your dream. He's a young man from Ayrshire, pulling the strings in the Chelsea midfield, receiving the adulation of the Stamford Bridge faithful, but since that's his reality, will you just sit in your bedroom running your mouth on a shouldn't produce football podcast? How about you give us your thoughts on the youngster? (laughs) I think his ceiling is very, very high. I think um, he's very well deserving of the praise he's been receiving. I've kind of followed him, obviously, because of the Scotland connection, the Ayrshire connection, through the kind of youth setup, and he was dominant in under 18s and quickly moved up to under 21s football, where he still played a crucial role in whichever trophy they won last year, alongside the likes of Calum Hudson Odoi and 
um, a number of other kind of talented Chelsea youngsters. He scored two goals in the in the last friendly that Chelsea played, which was against QPR yesterday, uh, in a seven-one mauling. I suppose you could say at Stamford Bridge. And if he continues kind of with this confidence and continues where he left off when the season was postponed, he will probably be one of the top contenders for Frank Lampard's midfield, where he's got a number of talented options to choose from. Cameron, do you think um, Billy Gilmore features in the midfield for Chelsea during the restart? Yeah, definitely. They have so many fixtures. I think a lot of youngsters across the whole league will get game time, so like really standout ones like him um, will definitely feature. Also, Kovacic is coming back from injury, but he might not be fully fit. Same goes for players like Loftus-Cheek. Kante uh, might not even be playing. I'm not sure what the deal is with him, so definitely Gilmore will feature probably more than he even expected, so really exciting for a Scottish prospect like him. Yeah, Jack, are you confident of your side securing Champions League football for the uh, next year? I don't I don't want to put it on record that I'm confident because right. anytime I have done it has gone horribly wrong. Um out of the kind of bigger clubs, I suppose, we've not got an awful run in. We've got City to play and we've got Liverpool away as well. Um Just the two best teams in the league. Not, Just not the two best much. teams in the league, yes. <laughs> I mean nothing really to worry about. But other than that, it's a lot of... We've got Norwich, we've got Watford, we've got West Ham, we've got Villa. I think we should be fine, but at the same time, we've been horrendously inconsistent at points this season, so I don't want to absolutely guarantee that Chelsea will be going on a European tour of the Champions League club, maybe the Europa League, but I, w- I would like to think Champions League football would be returning to Stamford Bridge next season. And Cameron, I don't want to talk about Timo Werner because we really... <laughs> really hammered that home last week but with uh, with his um, impending arrival at Stamford Bridge uh, what can we expect to see from Tammy Abraham? I have a feeling I'm going to get cut out regardless of my answer but yeah I think Tammy Abraham will be a really solid player in this run and I think he'll easily get some goals I think he'll he has that sort of energy yep spot on bud that's go. it Boom. cheers <laughs> um, with plans to build a new training ground and to renovate Selhurst Park Premier League survival has been imperative for Crystal Palace this season the safe hands of Roy Hodgson seem to have guided Palace to just that with the Eagles sitting in 11th just one point off the magic 40 Cameron it's not always been pretty but it, will Palace mark the season as a success yeah as long as they keep themselves sort of high in the high bottom 10 almost probably a 12th place finish would probably do for them you know I think Roy Hodgson's a really he is a good manager despite what gets said about him also he gets a lot of stick but he's a really good manager he's not got an outstanding squad and they've got Will Zaha but I don't think he's been at his best this season Um, probably saved by Guita at the back in goals Um, I don't think there's too much to say about them they're just sort of that team that should be finishing lower mid table and I think they'll do exactly that yeah, Jack, Cameron mentioned uh, Vincente Guita there, who I think is perhaps the most underrated keeper in the league. I think he's up there. He's up there in contention. I think you would have to also look at players like Martin Dubravka and perhaps Nick Pope, who is only now kind of receiving the attention that he deserves. So I think Guita uh, definitely deserves to be up there. I think Palace actually have a lot of players that are criminally underrated. Um, Jordan Ayew, I've been a massive fan of his for a while, and he's been really showing up he's our top scorer in the league with eight goals uh Patrick Van Anholt who's been putting in a number of good performances this season although his best has recently been against Katie Hawkins on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) and then of course you get players like uh Martin Kelly Gary Cahill and Scott Dan across a back line who have been very beneficial for fantasy football players and being very cheap options that play a lot and have been keeping clean sheets so I, th- I think Palace have enough to kind of stay kind of bang on mid-table or in kind of between 10th and 12th. Yeah, what was the pattern that um, Van Arnholt hit Katie Hopkins with? Was it something about he plays on uh, the right wing, but... Or what was it? What no, is he's, it? A black, he's a black left-back defending against a white right wing. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> so... Stellhurst Park is one of the sort of great fortresses of uh, Premier League football, Cameron. How much do you think the players will miss out on that atmosphere? Oh, big time. They're one of the teams that could really be like negatively affected by it. Stellhurst Park's a stadium that I love, like proper. It reminds me of Tynecastle. Like, it, it was the same architect that done the stadium. Really, really good, proper British football stadium with proper staunch. good fans in it as well. Proper staunch. staunch. Very staunch. <laughs> <laughs> Very staunch. The difference um, is yeah, that Crystal Palace aren't heading for the championship. 
Well, we don't know about that. <laughs> nah, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I think I'll just switch the name next season. I won't bother about Hearts. Um, no, I think I, I really. No, nope, sorry. That... That's it. You're sticking. You've, you've, oh. you've left Hearts, and that's us moving on. <laughs> you're, you're leaving Hearts for Hearts. You're a snake, and that's it. Uh, one of, it's one happening. Of, <laughs> one of the shocks of the season so far was Everton acquiring the services of three-time Champions League winning manager. Carlo Ancelotti and the Italian has definitely proven his worth lifting the toffees to 12th in the table with just three defeats in his 11 league games in charge. Jack, it's almost night and day between Marco Silva's Everton and Carlo Ancelotti's Everton, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I was shocked when it even the rumours even started that Ancelotti was considering Everton as an option and I was even more shocked when it actually was announced a few hours later after the rumours began to circulate. I think he definitely has enough to push them into the top half. They sit 12th just now, but that's only temporarily because they've got a fairly easy run-in despite playing Liverpool, Leicester and Tottenham. Everyone else should be a fairly simple victory. I say that, but their last fixture was a 4 nil loss to a Billy Gilmore-inspired Chelsea side, so who knows? And it de- I think it entirely depends on whether Dominic Calvert-Lewin hits the ground running when he gets back. Yeah, he's been brilliant, hasn't he? But uh, Cameron, we also have to give a shout out to Duncan Ferguson, who was just fantastic in that sort of run. He was a great character, and he's also undoubtedly the person I'd least like to be my girlfriend's dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had a great wee spell there, didn't he, Goodison? You'd be an ambitious to have a girlfriend, mate. You're um, absolutely <laughs> spot on, bud. <laughs> hey, I'm only joking. Uh, yeah, I think. He is, he's the sort of manager you just, you'd just run for a wall for. Like, really, I, I would love him to be a manager. I, I don't care if he'd pretty much like strangle me at halftime if I'd made any mistakes. I don't care. He's a brilliant, brilliant coach. I, I honestly, I, I, it's a shame that he's so loyal to everyone. I'd love to see him manage another team. He obviously can do it. He was brilliant, lifted the spirits. Um, yeah, I think without him, any other interim, everyone could be in real trouble this season. They have a lot of injuries. Uh, the squad just didn't seem the right fit. Marco Silva had really brought the place down a peg but yeah they, they've resurrected it under Ancelotti which is I, I still don't understand who he's Everton manager but I love it um, I think a, a real push for the top 10 would be a success for them I'm fascinated by that relationship between Ferguson and Ancelotti I want to know what they talk about I want to know <laughs> mm-hmm. if they go for wee meals together yeah. oh, uh, just, I think the they're the perfect odd couple in the Premier League. Uh, but, Jack, with the financial backing they have and now a, a world-class manager, could, is it possible that we could see Everton really kick on into the upper echelons of not even English, but maybe even European football? I, I was thinking that myself, actually. I think with the fact they do have a lot of financial backing, especially in the last couple of years. And if they do trust the manager, Ancelotti knows how to pick players for the system that fits the team. So, depending on what happens with the transfer window when it eventually arrives... And before the next season begins, I really could see Everton pushing Champions League football next season and potentially secure a place in the top four. Lovely. Good timing again. Um, It might not be winning the league title, but it's been another astounding season for Leicester City as they sit in third place with an eight-point cushion protecting their spot in the top four. All while manager Brendan Rodgers sips from a cup full of Celtic fans' tears. Um, what a, Cameron, what a team. It's really hard to praise any one individual because they they've all been so good, haven't they? We're really going for certain fan bases today, aren't we? Yeah, it's just, just it's, it's my new style. I just like to annoy as many people as possible. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, no, I think Leicester have been brilliant this season. Brendan Rodgers has been outstanding. I can't even begin to list key players because they have so many. You could say maybe Ndide, Vardy, those sort of guys. Um, yeah, I, I think they've been a brilliant watch this season. Still got a lot of tough fixtures, but I think third place is theirs if they just pick up wins against the lesser teams. And uh, I can't wait to see them back in the Champions League, hopefully. Yeah, Jack, they were on a sort of poor run of form pre-lockdown. They, just, they got a win just before... Uh the pause of the season there but how does Rodgers get them back on track and sort of really finish the season strongly? I don't really think it has to do anything different because they started the season off well it took a bit of a dip towards Christmas and fixtures began to pile up and they maybe lost a bit of the kind of attitude that they had kind of going in giving it a bit more of a weekly basis because obviously there was no European football for them this season so they had a fair bit more time between fixtures. Um, They've potentially got a cup run as well because um, after their second fixture against Brighton, they play Chelsea in the FA Cup quarter final, which is of course returning as well as the Premier League. So, if they're see, I think Rodgers could inspire the team with that cup run to really get their season back on track and have them kicking on 
like every game as a cup final and they've got the players that can win cup finals no problem so I can see it being a really solid finish to the season for them yeah, Cameron I did mention um, upset Celtic fans at the start there and uh, I guess they don't look that much to be upset on considering how their season's gone but do you think Rodgers will feel validated in leaving Celtic amid all that backlash at the time I mean there was that banner at Tynecastle when he left what, what did it say? Uh, you've traded immortality for mediocrity always mm-hmm. a fraud never a kill yeah poetry for the Green Brigade <laughs> an unbelievable overreaction but yeah you're, you're 100% right by the way um he, he will definitely feel validated. He's took a sort of not a slump in Leicester team. It's hard because you're obviously going to slump from the highs they reached. But um, yeah, he's took them onto a whole other level. And I think we're going to see more teams. You've looked at maybe this is a stretch, but Sheffield United and such. Um, you're looking at other teams breaking through the big six now, and they can keep those standards up. They'll they'll have the money post coronavirus. Finances will be all over the place. They could really push on and be a threat to even the league title. Jack, where can they strengthen further? We've spoken about how good they are and how uh, how how good all the individuals are, but is there anywhere they think we could add a little bit to this Foxy side? I think you have to start looking at diversifying striking options because while Vardy's the league's top scorer with 19, uh, he is ageing at this point. I think he's 32 now. And while that doesn't... Yeah, that's just an attack on Jamie Vardy to finish that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, Jamie. <laughs> the league's top scorer and Jack's just having a go at him. But um, a 25-point lead, a first Premier League title, just fingertips away, a dream season for Liverpool, but now the fans won't get to celebrate that moment with the players, with the staff, or with each other. Cameron, I hate to be so negative on your on your wee party here, but um, <laughs> does the inevitable lukewarm conclusion put a dampener on Liverpool's triumph? No, I don't think so. Like, obviously, it's not favourite tail ending but I'm sure Jurgen Klopp came out and said this a while ago I think it was Jurgen Klopp anyway and said like they don't care if the parade happens 20 games into the next season the, the parade will happen it'll happen eventually um, it'll still be a celebration they've still won the title any talk of like an asterisk being on it it's just laughable I won't even respond to it um, the, the, hopefully they'll get a guard of honour to Manchester City that would just be cherry on top kind of um if everyone can stay fit, they'll get a lot more youngsters out on the pitch. It'll be a really feel-good end to the season. Obviously, we're out of the Champions League, fair enough, but um, just focus on maybe breaking some records on the way. I know we can still fly past 100 points. Um, I can't even remember what the records are, but I'm sure there's some that can be broken. And um, It'll just be really exciting to watch, to be honest, for, as from a perspective of a Liverpool fan. Yeah, Jack Cameron very much has his um, red tinted spectacles on there. Um, I don't think I think he's right in saying there won't be an asterisk in terms of how much Liverpool deserve it. But if you're a Liverpool fan who's gone to Anfield for thirty odd years and been waiting for a league title, and then the first one that comes, you've just got to sit in your house and watch on the telly. That's got to be disappointing, hasn't it? Disappointing in a sense, but I suppose you can't really be disappointed with a league title in any case. I mean, we've already spoken about Celtic fans at one point, and they've been celebrating this title without any question about its legitimacy or the fact that they couldn't go out and celebrate it so I don't I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be um, over the moon with their first ever Premier League title anyway and it's been well deserved and you can't really argue it they've been the best team since in the world up until this point so it's a well deserved title, it's been a long time coming and I think regardless of the situation all fans should be absolutely ecstatic with the news Cameron, let's talk a bit about Jordan Henderson. Liverpool really missed him in, uh, when he was out injured towards uh, just before the, the pause of the season. But he's his story's incredible. He was really sort of maligned and criticised by not even just Liverpool fans, but football fans in general. And he's gone on to captain them to a Champions League and now they're champions elect of England. It's quite a story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's a top right. I've loved him even when he was getting hounded. I really, I've always backed him. And I think actually the best performance was the Club World Cup final, but he played centre-back. You know, he played centre-back in a cup final and was an absolute rock. And uh, that sums him up really, just a top pro that deserves everything he's getting. Is there any chance that the break is, Jack going, can me with conspiracy theory, the, the break's ruined them and uh, City are going to win the league? Uh, if, if it happens, nope. I don't think I'll stop laughing. Don't care. Um <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool... He definitely dragged that out just to say don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, moving swiftly on. Liverpool may be a matter of weeks of away from toppling them, but for the first time, uh, sorry, for the time being, Manchester City are still champions of England. They're likely to lose the title. They're facing expulsion from the Champions League, but 
at least the players are used to having no atmosphere at the games, eh, boys? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jack, there was the, the Centurions and then 98 points last term. But what's gone wrong with, for City this term? I don't really think it's a case of what's gone wrong for City. I think it's just been the case that Liverpool have been have almost overachieved in the sense that they've only lost the once and drawn one other time. They've only dropped, what's that, four points? No, five. Whatever my math says. Um... <laughs> I think they still do have a fantastic squad. They've been hit a lot by injuries and they've lost a really prominent leader in Vincent Company last summer. So the fact that they weren't really able to replace him not securing any defensive reinforcement was a strange move. But I think they do have a lot of talent. Of course, someone that hasn't played at all this season, uh, Leroy Sane, I think has returned. So I think he will be in contention for the first game back at Arsenal which gives us fantasy football players a massive headache because we're already used to how much Pep likes to tinker with his side and make arbitrary changes whenever he feels necessary, but that's just another attacking option for him to play with. Yeah, Leroy Sani gives football fantasy players a headache and you talking about fantasy football gives me a headache. So, um, well, <laughs> well, uh, Cameron, will this be a case of players proving their worth for City's Champions League campaign? We've got that 2-1 away lead uh, to Real Madrid and uh, we, that's going to be sort of a mini-tournament, we think, in Lisbon. Uh, so this be sort of players trying to state their claim and show that they, that they can push City for their first European title. Yeah, definitely. Look, uh, barring a miracle, as we've already said, they're not going to win the league. They can't do anything about the upcoming ban. All they can do is try and get the domestic double, try and win the FA Cup. I think they're still in that. They've already won the League Cup, as we've said, against Villa. Um, I, I think as long as they keep themselves in second place, just for financial reasons and whatnot, uh, just give the players a run out, tinker with systems, whatever Pep wants to do, and put all their focus, a little bit of focus into the FA Cup, but all their focus into the Champions League. To win the Champions League, and then be banned by it would just be some story. And um, I think that's exactly what even the City fans want. They want European glory. They don't care if they can't be there. It's in a different country that they can't get to. They want that trophy. They want that title. And um, I could see it happening, to be honest. I can see it happening. Yeah, I've just got this feeling that City will be in the Champions League next year. I don't know enough about the legality of it all, but um, yeah, I just think that somehow they'll, they'll be there. Uh, Jack, we spoke about Jordan Henderson as well. Who would you go with very quickly between Kevin De Bruyne and Jordan Henderson for uh, best player this year? Kevin De Bruyne, because even in a team that stagnated a bit, he has had an absolutely fantastic campaign. Ooh, you were going to say more there and you pretended that you weren't. Um... <laughs> yeah, you're a bang on, actually. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, across the city, it's been an up and down season for Manchester United, but the arrival of Bruno Fernandes in January has galvanised Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side with the Red Devils breathing down Chelsea's neck for a top four spot. Uh, Cameron, how key has Fernandes been in Manu's sustained run of form? Yeah, huge. He's been a real boost to them. Um, I think maybe, it would be harsh to say overhyped, but I think that's just how United fans are, but he is a really top, top, world-class <laughs> player. Um, I think with Pogba's going AWOL, I think that's the best way to put it. I don't know what he's up to. Maybe he'll be back. Um, they've really needed someone in the middle of midfield that can really take like, take games by the scruff of the neck, really be a leader. I think he's done that already. He can be a good playmaker, good finisher. He's got a bit of everything, really, and uh, I really like him as a player. And he's definitely pushed United back into Champions League contendency. Jack, um, Cameron was talking about Paul Pogba there and uh, in one of their Man United friendlies, uh, Fernandes and Paul Pogba started together on the same side. Do you think that's a partnership we could see working for United? And if so, just how dangerous could that be? It's hard. Well, I mean, they started together and lost the friendly 2-1 to West Brom. So I don't, I don't know how effective it is. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a fantastic um, addition for... Ollie to have as an option of playing the two of them together. I think they just need to strike the, strike the right balance because they're two very attacking minded players. I know Pogba's got the physicality to be more defensive of the two but we know how he likes to get forward and uh, show his skills off whereas Bruno Fernandes is a slight player and he will not have the same defensive capability as someone else in that role so I can see it working if they're chasing a game and need all the attacking options they can do but for me personally I'd potentially want to see a more balanced partnership maybe a McTominay in there in replace of one of the two yeah I'd say Scott McTominay's better than the both of them anyway so it's fine um, 
Cameron, we uh, remiss of us to not mention uh, Marcus Rashford and the fantastic work he's been doing over the lockdown period. Uh, he was on BBC Breakfast this morning. He sent an open letter to MPs uh, last night um, explaining why um, they need to keep uh, free school meals going for kids over the summer because he said himself he had to uh, use free school meals uh, when he was a child growing up. How He's done a fantastic job in sort of enhancing the reputations of footballers who have been sort of demonised a lot by the press in recent years. Yeah, 100%. You can see it in him when he plays and off the pitch. So he's just got that real determination. I don't think there's anything like fake about him. He's who he is. He, he really does feel passionate about this and other projects. He's done a lot more that's just maybe not got the publicity at the time. Um, but a really great player. I hope he's, I hope he's fit. I hope he, if he's not back straight away, hopefully he's back in soon and he can help United towards a European push because... Um, he really, really deserves it. Um, I don't think anyone else deserves it more, to be honest. And do you know what? I want to ask another question, but that was just going to... See... Don't want to cut yourself off. I don't want to be cut off. I'm fine cutting you two off, but I don't want it to be me. <laughs> um, so we'll move on. Uh, Kylian Mbappe and Jadon Sancho have shined for Newcastle as they've dominated the league. Wait, that's not yet, is it? That's next season. I've got my notes. Mixed up there, just jumped a bit. Is it just me? Can I still hear that alarm going off? Um, You can, but the next one's going. There we go. Um, So that was confused. Maybe that's what confused me to get ahead of myself with the Newcastle chat. Um, For this season, I've just got um, that they're bang average. Um, Cameron, you looked at Newcastle closely for our season review so far series on Energy Sport, which I recommend. If you haven't checked out, you very much should. Uh, Our writers have gone in detail on a lot of the Premier League clubs, but. Tell me as succinctly as you can, Cameron, what's the latest with our takeover chat? Um, I think it's it's a really odd one. I think even the people closest to it still aren't sure what's happening. It's a really convoluted sort of mess right now. It's the best way to put it. Um, it's all about piracy TV deals and human rights abuses and practically anything you could think of is holding this deal up. And... It's probably the worst thing possible for Newcastle fans who just want Mike Ashley gone. They they do know that their new owners are are far from perfect. I am that's a huge understatement. Um, as you see, Marco, I'm not exactly supporting it. Um, but they just anyone except Mike Ashley. That's their viewpoint on it. I think it's probably the players' viewpoints on it. Um, it's a shame because it's tainting over what could have been a disastrous season under Steve Bruce. It's actually turned out okay. They're sitting 13th. They're as far off Europe as they are the relegation spots. And they, they've got much better. Dubravka picked up an injury when the lockdown started. He's now back. Uh, we've already mentioned, Jack mentioned earlier, I think he's the most underrated keeper in the league. Um, really top, top shot stopper. Um, and I think it's a shame that TakeOver Talk will rule over what's actually been an okay season for them, barring a few major disappointments. Yeah, you might have put your um, your disappointment with uh, the potential owners out there in public, but I'm not going to speak out against the Saudi Arabian government on record. That sounds quite dangerous. <laughs> um, so instead, I'm just going to ask Jack Donnelly, um, has this been a successful season for Steve Bruce? Because he came in with a lot of sort of, uh, there was sort of a cloud over his appointment, wasn't there? There was, there really was, because they'd been chasing a number of other managerial options over uh, Big Brucey, but... He's here, and he's not done too badly. I mean, some of the signings that Newcastle made, Joe Linton has been god-awful, one goal in 29 games. Granted, it was a winner against Tottenham, but he's not really done anything since. Uh, I think for him coming back, he really is going to rely on Alan St. Maximin, who has been one of the most entertaining players to watch in the league since his arrival in January. And I think if he hits the ground running, uh, they could see a fairly solid end to the season, which they're sitting in 13th just now. I say if they finish around about the same position, it will have been a successful season for Steve Bruce himself. Ooh, that was, I think, the oh, best oh, one so far. That was I'm, spot on. I'm quite annoyed that I never got to give a shout-out to former Kilmarnock Loney Sean Longstaff, but we'll move on. Um, <laughs> for this next one, Norwich aren't even getting a nice segue wee bit because they've annoyed me. So... Uh, well, last season I watched a fair bit of them in the Championship and I thought they played great football, they're going to do great when they come up. I was telling all my friends, acting like I was properly in the know, this team are going to be great. They had that great showing at Anfield, even though they ended up getting thrashed, but it was still a very good performance. They beat Man City at Carroll Road, it was Team of Pookie was scoring goals for fun. I was telling everyone, see, look at me, um, I know so much about football. And um, they've now scored the joint least amount of goals in the league and they're rooted at the bottom of the table. So I clearly know nothing. Um, but Jack, they're well run, they're well coached, 
they're well supported. So what's gone wrong at Carrow Road this season? I just think they've been a bit deer in the headlights at moments. I mean, I thought it was going to be a completely different season for what it's ended up being um, in the first couple of games. Obviously, their first game back was against Liverpool and they went into it with a nothing-to-lose attitude and ended up scoring. They scored the first goal of the league. Granted, it was a own goal courtesy of who else but Grant Hanley, realistically. Of course. Um, but they've had some really <laughs> impressive moments. Um, their famous win against Manchester City is going to be the standout moment of their season so, like, so far. And people began to think that Norwich were going to be a well-established club. But ever since that, they, their form's taken a nosedive and they've really not been able to do anything since then. And I think that the Canadians are the last team that I would condemn. I think that they, they round out the three teams that I'm predicting to go down at the end of the season. That's very brave of you, Jack, picking the current bottom three to go down. I know. Who could have thought it? Um, Cameron, we spoke about uh, Jack Grealish earlier on and how he could be one of the players who would jump ship if Villa were to go down. The same could be said for the likes of Tammy Puke, Todd Cantwell, Emiliano ben, uh, Buendia at Carroll Road. Um, yeah, I think I'd love to see Timmy Puke go back for 10 in a row at Celtic. That would be superb because uh, I think he was shocking while he was up in Scotland, if I remember rightly. Um, but I think he could be probably straight back up to the Premier Todd Campbell, 100%. I don't see him staying if they go down. Um, you said, uh, was it Buendia you said there as well? Yeah, he, uh, I think he had like, the most season. chances created or something like that in the Premier League at one point this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's had a good campaign. Ah, uh, he really has, and I think they've got. Oh, I can't. I honestly, cannot remember their names, but I know they have really exciting wing backs. Um, is Max Aaron's? Max Aaron's, yeah. Max Aaron's, yeah. Jamal Lewis. Thank you, yeah. Jamal Lewis, that's the one. They two as well. Maybe they'll stay just for a bit more experience. They'll get full runouts in the championship, but they probably could play at Premier League level or jump ship to anything a bit more exciting, maybe than a relegated side. Um, yeah, I think. A few players could definitely jump ship, 100%. Since times are out, I'm just going to remind everyone that Cameron Monson did just advocate Celtic winning 10 in a row on a podcast there. So, <laughs> um, oh, so he did. It's okay, because Hearts will get one in a row. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, as depressing as that is, uh, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> on to another team that was promoted from the Championship last season, but it's a very different story from Norwich, as Sheffield United have proved to be the surprise package of the season. Uh, Jack, they've shown defensive solidity, tactical intelligence, uh, formidable work ethic. It, it might just be the story of the season. I think it is. I, I, I love Sheffield United. I think they're a really, really good team. Um, no one, as you said, no one could have expected them to be currently sitting in seventh, pushing potentially Champions League football within the last nine games. And Wilder has got this group of players so well knit together. Like They just seem like they would die for the man which is really what you want in your players to be able to go out and put everything on the line for you looking at their remaining fixtures they've got Man United, Tottenham and Chelsea and Leicester within their kind of immediate competition so they are battling their rivals for the last kind of couple of European places but I don't see a reason why we couldn't see them in at least the Europa League next year Cameron, we, we know they'll be fit. I mean, you can almost imagine Chris Wilder would have been staring through all the players' windows during lockdown demanding to see their 5K times or he'll headbutt them or something. But um, how much credit does he deserve? Because he's done an absolutely fantastic job. They're in League One just as recently as 2017. Yeah, definitely. They were clubbing like right disarray, like really struggling. Could have easily been like a Sunderland, practically. Um, but he's turned them around that, again, like Duncan Ferguson, someone I'd love just to work out he seems like an absolute hero um, proper proper British old school manager and, uh, football man he doesn't man. shy away from that yeah football man he, he doesn't shy away from it at all and uh, completely embraces that you see it in his players that proper like proper run like never say die attitude you know just they don't stop and I'd, if City let's just say City do get banned from Europe if they were to pick up maybe a fifth place finish get Champions League football that that isn't one of the stories of the season that's one of the stories of the Premier League's history up there with Leicester's title run and whatnot so yeah really really fun team and one that I'd love to see keep going and not fall away anytime soon 
Jack, you've both mentioned it, that sort of tireless work ethic and the people who sort of probably most embody that is the midfield, uh, John Fleck, Oliver Norwood and fantasy football hero um, John Lundstrom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, how good have those three been for uh, the Blades? Un- they've been unbelievable. It's been unprecedented and John Fleck's deservedly earned this Scot- another Scotland call-up. Absolutely. For, um, and he's mm. really cemented his place. And our midfield, not only Sheffield United, are being Scotland, of course. Um, things kind of get shook up a bit when uh, Sander Berger came in in January for a club record fee, but even he looks to have settled right into life in Sheffield. So between the four of them, I think they have, strangely enough, one of the most solid midfields in the league. Yeah, well, time is just about to, as you'll hear. I was actually about to give a rendition of the Sanderberg song to the tune of uh, She's Electric by Oasis, but because the timer has gone, I will have to move on, unfortunately. Um, oh, what a shame. It's, fun, it's funny you left it paused there as well. You just didn't leave a mm-hmm. significant enough pause. You can do it at the end, the to come there. Um, you can sing, yeah. you can sing we'll, us out. Sing us out. We'll see, if, out. We'll see if we've got time, but we'll just uh, quickly yeah, move yeah. on. You'd think a 9 <laughs> defeat would be a pretty big indicator that a side's time in the top flight might just be up, but Southampton have pulled themselves out the relegation zone with the Saints just one win away from surpassing manager Ralph Hasenhuttle's target of 36 points. Uh, Jack, if Southampton are to stay up, how much of it will be down to the wizardry of Daniel William John Ings? Oh, he's gone for the whole name. I have, just because he deserves it. He deserves it. He does deserve it. He's been potentially the most underrated striker in the league this season alongside maybe DCL himself and the pair of them have been rightly touted for England call-ups had the Euros been this summer um, he's been fantastic that stretch of scoring in was it eight consecutive games I think it ended up being eight or nine and everything's just kind of gone right when he's been playing um, I think James Ward-Prowse has also had a fairly solid season so I think between the two of them they've got Southampton to the position that they currently are in and if they continue in the same vein Maybe can it finish a couple of places higher, but I think 14th would maybe be a fair position for them to finish. Cameron, Ralph Hasenhutl was awarded a new four-year contract at the start of this month. Uh, a bit weird considering it's not been a fantastic season for uh, Southampton. So what do you think the thinking is behind uh, that and giving them the long-term deal? Well, I was listening to uh, the Athletic, the Ornstein and Chapman podcast, so they're going around loads of different teams just now, and the journalist that was on there was saying that Hassan was like he controls every year group like he has tactics out for like the under nines and stuff like so they, when they work up they work through his system so that's a lot of power to give to someone that has been absolutely battered about this season and maybe he's just picked himself out of a slump he's not a certainty but I've got to say I'm really impressed by him I think I don't know if a four-year deal is the smartest move but he, he's really surprised me I thought Southampton were dead in the water like he said 9-0 uh, they were not rooted to the bottom of the table but they were way down there and um, I think it's a real shock they've got themselves out of it and maybe he does he's got an okay resume so he clearly does have a bit of quality in him and hopefully hopefully we'll see the Southampton we saw half a decade ago you know before they were raided multiple times yeah, Jack, we like to take a, a Scottish slant on this on this show. Uh, Stuart Armstrong's really established himself in this uh, Southampton side, and I know it's tough because it was just the other week, the anniversary of him not just punting the ball, yep. but um, it's been a good season for the former Celtic man. You brought me down. You, you've re- I, I thought I'd gone through the worst sorry. of that last week. I'm sorry uh, about yeah, that. Yeah, no, he, he has done well, and while he's potentially not been a massive standout, he's oh, well. done all right. Oh well. We, oh, sad. We don't need to talk about the Stuart Armstrong. I'm so gutted. That. I love Jack when you like act as if you're. Like, but all right, and then just quickly end it. That's exactly what we wanted. Oh wait, I've I've ruined the timer there. But don't go for 18 minutes on this next side. Definitely not because the transition from Maurizio Pochettino to Jose Mourinho was never going to be an easy one for Tottenham. But many Spurs fans will be feeling underwhelmed with the special ones time in North London so far. Cameron, how are we assessing? Mourinho's time uh, so far, what can we take away from his reign? Not much to be honest, it's been quite uninspiring if you were to put a word in it, he, he has been hit hard with injuries, I know that was the Kane and Son, the big two, uh, certain players really not keeping up to scratch some of their defenders have been poor, Danny Rose has left for Newcastle and Lone and Dombele's been a nightmare um, a, real, a real bunch of issues that came from a team that 
looked absolutely unbelievable last season Champions League final which they kind of deserved to do better in um, but now they've got Harry Kane back they've got Son back and Dombley seems fit um, hopefully he can kick on uh, so they might sort their defence out that is Mourinho's absolute passion is working out his side defensively so hopefully that will happen um, hopefully we'll see a big turnaround a big push for Europe but I wouldn't be shocked if they stall again and um, don't really inspire any confidence from their fans. It was alluded to there, Jack, that Spurs' attacking options were all but wiped out through injury before the season was paused. Does the return of players like Kane and Son and uh, Bergvine sort of change the complexion of their season? I think it's got to, realistically, because Harry Kane has just been plagued with injuries this season. He's only scored 11 goals, which, for a player of his quality, is nothing, it's really not a lot in the, in the slightest, I think if he if he can get him, Son and Bergwijn back in the fold, I know Deli Alley's missing the first game back against Man United due to uh, the social media post about the pandemic which wasn't taken too kindly to obviously, so he's missing but if they can really start striking a balance between that attacking force and they can get in amongst the goals again Spurs could end up pushing potentially Champions League places, but more likely the Europa League places, in my opinion anyway. Cameron, you may be biased on this as you usually are, but there's two big documentaries coming out in the next season. Inside Tynecastle from BBC Scotland, or All or Nothing, Tottenham Hotspur from Amazon Prime. You're only allowed to watch one. Which one's going to be juicier? Which one you're going to get the most um, oh. insight from? Oh, um... It will probably put me to tears, but you'd have to go with Hearts. It will be incredible. <laughs> I'm saying that as a Hearts fan, it will be some watch. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Hearts on the Tottenham one. I think it'll just be a bit sad, really. It'll be a shame on Pochettino and the staff and a lot of their key players injured. At least Hearts, it'll be a proper laugh, to be fair. I'll be, I'll, I'm saying that through tears, pretty much, but yeah, it will be. What about both? I'd laugh at both, to be honest. I think both are equally I'll funny. watch one to cry and the other to laugh. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, there's all that scandal with Spurs with like, the some people sleeping with other people's girlfriends and stuff. It was great. Yeah. Can't oh, wait. yeah. I've I, I forgotten about that, you know. Maybe the Spurs squad should go on Love Island and uh, see how loyal they are. That'd be a good way to <laughs> to round that off. Team uh, bonding. Keeping keep up. Oh, no. Keep, keeping up with managers at Watford is like keeping up with Struan Garvey's Bundesliga teams there's just so many of them um, however the appointment of Nigel Pearson seems to have brought a sense of uh, solidity and calm to Vicarage Road at least for now but the Hornets are still in a precarious position only outside the bottom three on goal difference uh, Jack it seems like a lifetime ago Javi Gracia was the Watford manager and then there was the return of Kiki Sanchez-Flores, but Watford seemed to have gone down the right path with Pearson, maybe? Yeah, I think it's partially due to that and partially due to the return of Troy Deeney kind of around Christmas time. Um, he was, had been battling a long-term injury and came back into the side. And I don't think they really had a leader up until that point because um, Javi Gracia wasn't really much help and Sanchez, uh, Kiki Sanchez-Flores came back after they'd already sacked him, which was, in my eyes, a really bold and somewhat stupid move to bring back a man that he'd already sacked. I think with Dini back, uh, Ben Foster committing his future for another two years and he's been another underrated goalkeeper this year and with our record signing Irmiel Assar starting to kind of find his feet in England eventually under Pearson I think Watford could push on and really secure their safety with these last few games. Yeah, Cameron, what do you make of um, Sarri's uh, Watford's record signing and it's not been the most outstanding debut season but it's been flashes hasn't it? Yeah definitely he was the player that he had an absolute world of game against Liverpool didn't he? When they beat us 3-0 right before the shutdown um, stopped her unbeaten season yeah I think he's maybe just struggled to fit into the system to be honest Watford have an unusual system where it sort of all plays around Dini but as he gets drawn more and more into it he's definitely showing glimpses of brilliance and um could maybe go on to a bigger team or just be an absolute star at Watford if they stay up. Obviously, their running is quite tough. Leicester at home to start and then their final two games are City and Arsenal. So if they don't get sorted by the last two games, then if they go down, I don't know if he'll be staying there for long. But yeah, I think a really good player. Really good player. And hopefully we'll see more of him. Jack, Watford are a weird team, aren't they? Because it just seems sort of like a mismatch. There no, seems to be no sort of like uh, continuity in the managers they bring in and the players. There's no real style, is there? 
No, no, there really isn't. And I think if they are to stay up, they really need to settle on one if they are to secure safety next season because I know that is very important this year. We've already spoken about Brighton having a more identifiable style to them. And I think for any team in the top flight in a league as competitive as the Premier League, you really need to have your own style and your own set kind of ways to be able to compete with the best of the best. Since we're uh, talking about Watford, do we have a favourite Elton John song, guys? Any Elton El- El- John songs? That... Mm. Rocket Man. It's the only one I can think of. <laughs> I like your song, but... Um... Your song's good. That's a good wee tune. And that's it. Perfect. Oh, El- Elton John okay. chat. Lovely. Um, it's been another disappointing season for West Ham with a Premiership winning manager sacked, a whole host of players underperforming and the return of an old manager that's the equivalent of your mum taking back that ex-boyfriend you never really liked. Um, Jack Donnelly, I'll start with you since you know a thing or two about teams called United that nobody likes and aren't very good. Um, it's not been a happy return for David Moyes to London Stadium, has it? No, no, but I think any return to any team for David Moyes isn't going to be happy. Like No one's going to welcome him back with open arms, especially after the reputation he's managed to amass for himself. Uh, West Ham, I thought they were going to be a lot more consistent this year. I thought they were going to be a bit of a more solid force, potentially pushing Europa League football when you thought when you saw the acquisitions they signed as they brought in the likes of Sebastian Haller, uh, Pablo Fornells, the likes of them. But things have just gone shockingly for them. Um, they're another team that I think just don't really have much of a brand, much of a style to them. And they they could end up maybe slipping down another couple of places potentially. And I, I might forego what I said earlier about what one of the three bottom teams getting relegated because I don't think West Ham are in the best position, especially when they've got to play Wolves, Tottenham, Chelsea and Man United in the next nine games. So they're in a bit more trouble than I think even they realise at this point. Yeah, Cameron, do you think there's a sense that this West Ham side are sort of sleepwalking into the Championship? Yeah, honestly, you two have just summed up exactly what I would say. Sleepwalking, the perfect analogy, and Jack's spot on with everything there. I, I look at their team and their transfer deals and I don't see what the plan is. I don't see how they're a Premier League team, in all honesty. None of them are up to scratch. Like I put down key player, Mark Noble. I yeah. put down Mark Noble as key player in a Premier League team. Like, nothing against him, but like, sort of player that I like, but... That's really not a good look for a team like West Ham, who should be a maybe a top ten team. Um, they're just awfully run. That like Jack said there, their fixtures, their first three games back are Wolves, Spurs, and Chelsea. That could be three losses, and then they're right down the relegation zone. Like I've already picked Norwich likely to go down, and um, whoever is nineteenth, but I think they'll go down in eighteenth. I think Southampton will come out of the relegation zone and they'll go down because I, I just don't see what they have to offer. Hopefully, they can rebuild, come back up. They're a good team, but. Not this season. Jack, what do you think the thinking was in getting David Moyes back? Because he's not really done anything of note over the last few years, apart from that press conference in Spain where he said that they've been training dos tres times. <laughs> I forgot about that and the absolute butchering of Aramendi's name. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they just wanted an easy option, to be honest. Um, he wasn't really doing anything anyway, was he? And they just wanted to bring in somebody to attempt to steady a sinking ship, but he's kind of come in and booted a few more holes in the hull of it, so it's just kind of sinking a bit faster. Um, I think he, he knows the club. So oh, sorry, Jack, but that sure. was a, that was a beautiful analogy. That was a I, great I loved analogy. That. <laughs> that was outstanding. That was poetic, young man. Oh. I enjoyed that very much. <laughs> um, our final team to look at today is consistent. Is the consistently impressive Wolverhampton Wanderers, who are still very much in the European football hunt. Wolves, hunt. <laughs> um, ah. Ending with a belter there. My partner's been outstanding on this podcast. Um, Cameron, it wasn't the best of uh, starts for Wolves as they got used to juggling domestic football with their Europa League commitments, but they've had another fantastic season all in all, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, mentioned their Europe, they're still in the Europa League. Have a good chance of winning it if it goes to a little mini tournament. Um, they don't have like the best squad depth. I think that could really... That, that could hurt them in that competition and in the Premier League, a lot of games coming thick and fast. They really stick to a similar XI, a couple of players and maybe one or two standout youths, but I don't think they have much after that. But um, taking nothing away from them, they've been brilliant all season. They have a really good running. I think Chelsea away is the only really tough game they have, the only team that's around them that they have to play. Uh, so they can just pick up solid little 1-0s, 2-1s um, against lower teams. They have a real, real easy chance of getting Europa League and 
as we've said a few times today, excelling higher and pushing for Champions League spots. It's unlikely, but very, very plausible. Uh, Jack, we have to talk about Adama Traore, who was sort of uh, just this weird sort of like, uh, hard to pin down. He was, he was good in sp- spells, but he couldn't really um, produce end product. But is he now in the conversation for the most feared players in the Premier League? Well, I mean, Klopp said it himself, didn't he? Like, they were genuinely nervous coming up against him, especially when he was on the form of his life. Um, I think he is going to be the real difference maker for Wolves. Um, he's not really been effective in the final third in terms of getting goals and assists, but when he's that feared by opposition fullbacks, I don't think he needs to be that productive. If he can kind of get the assist for the assist if you want to speak like that then I think he's contributing absolutely everything he needs to because he can get back and defend he needs to obviously get the pace to burn flying up that right hand side so he's going to be their main danger man once football comes back this week um, Cameron your old friend Ian Cathro is doing a cracking job at uh, Molyneux do we see Wolves in Europe next season and how far do you think they can maybe go in, uh, on the continent this campaign? Yeah, I think they can definitely go far because obviously the squad depth's an issue, but they can they can definitely push for some sort of glory. Um, just saying, Ian Caffro seems to be doing a great job down there with Nuno, and uh, they have a really good staff there. Um, they have a, they have just such a good team. They've like Connor Cody really goes under the radar. Jimenez and Jota up front offer so many options. Another player that I love, Matt Doherty behind Adama Traore. Right? That's the Hibs connection, just, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe that he played in the five-one final. I didn't even recognise. It was horrendous at Hibs. T- it was awful, that final especially, a disaster, but he's a world, maybe not world class, but I don't get right back now. I don't think that's an accident that the last thing we talk about is Hearts 5-1 uh, victory in the cup final against Hibs. I don't know how that's that happened. planned the whole time. But planned it has every single time. Uh, did we enjoy that then, boys? That was a good laugh, wasn't it? That was great. That was, aye. Yeah. I enjoyed that Loved very it. much. Um, if you'd like stuff. if you'd like to send abuse to the boys for their horrendous takes you can find Jack on Twitter at Jack underscore Donnelly and Cameron is at Cameron Wanstall if you'd like to tell me what a funny and charming host I've been then you can get me at, at Sean McGill 8 um, you can follow us on you're Twitter gonna post, uh, you're going to post the Sander Berge video tonight aren't you you're um, going to actually film yourself and put up on Twitter yeah I'll put on my TikTok um, <laughs> 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 you can follow us on Twitter, not TikTok, at ENRG Extra Time, and keep an eye on everything associated with, associated with energy sport as we gear up for the return of the Premier League on Wednesday. Thank you for joining me, boys. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the football.